Hello and welcome into the Pegasus Podcast. I am Christian Simmons, and right now I am recording this a few hours after we wrapped up our normal episode because UCF men's basketball just beat number three Kansas 65-60 for their first ever Big 12 win and their first ever win over a top three team in what is pretty clearly the biggest win in program history and a giant upset that's currently sending shockwaves through the college basketball world and has UCF fans rushing the court. And we finished recording our podcast several hours ago. So we're going to go ahead and take you into the regular show here in a couple minutes. I just wanted to give you all a heads up that we obviously do not have any commentary on this game because we finished recording before it happened. It actually never even crossed our minds to maybe wait until after the game to record because obviously UCF was just going to go and get blown out. I really can't even begin to describe how happy I am. I watched the game and felt sick to my stomach the whole time, but it was a blast. Um, So when we get back with you guys next week, we will definitely have more to say on that. But for now... Please enjoy this podcast that is suddenly a lot less relevant since we do not talk about this at all. Um, We did touch on men's basketball briefly, as you'll see. Bailey canceled game of the week in shame over how the basketball teams were performing, so that aged super well. But be sure to stick around for the regular show. We have a great, great, great episode we had a lot of fun with, and we answered some of your questions. We went over our Pegasus podcast postseason awards. We got into all of the transfers that have committed so far. It was a really fun episode, just too bad that we recorded it four hours too early, but With all that being said, sorry again, we'll take you into the show. This is the Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge On Simmons. Welcome into episode 187. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, at Night Sports Now, and at Pegasus Podcast. Nick Saban just retired, like right yep. before we started recording the podcast, which is kind of funny because that would have been live on the podcast if we would have started at our normal time. But We literally are work, running a little late today. and, and Work, work yeah. got in the way, and so that, that robbed everyone of a live reaction on the podcast. But that's kind of crazy. By the way, if you're um, wondering whose work got in the way, it was both of ours at the same time. Yeah. So it was actually sort of convenient, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that's crazy news. But how are you, Christian? Um, I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm a little back to being stressed with this whole Nick Saban thing, because obviously I'm not a lunatic. I'm not like, oh, what if Gus Malzahn leaves for Alabama? But this is going to start a ripple effect because Alabama will hire someone and then that team will hire someone. So I'm just kind of like going through the motions of realizing we have to do a coaching carousel again. But other than that, I'm doing swell, having a good having a good time. Is it dumb that I'm not worried about it at all? Like, I just don't think any of the teams know. that might lose a coach, like, I don't think it's going to. You're thinking one level UCF high. Though. Like, say that Alabama goes and hires, like, Oregon's coach, which was what Brett Murphy said might be a thing. Or they go and hire Norvell out of FSU. Then it's like, Oregon will hire someone. Or FSU. And then it's like, and then it's just like you sort of move yeah. down the tiers and jobs start opening. So, I don't know. It's it's just, I really like where, you know, when you see, I, and I, I know there's a lot of you who are listening to this and you're like, God, I would love for Cosmos on to leave and for UCF have to start over in the middle of freaking January whenever and lose all their commitments and whatever. But I, I, I would prefer to not do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have my issues with Gus and with the coaching staff, I think, but I would also prefer not to start over right now. There is not a worse time. Like UCF had to do this when when Danny White left and then two weeks later was like, Josh, come on and join us. And that <laughs> and that was already hard. And that was without the transfer portal. When that like that would happen and UCF's roster would dissolve. So it would not be fun. So let's just let's just not even speak of that. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. Nothing to worry about. Um let's get into our five star review questions. So here's what we are gonna do today. It's gonna be 
a lot of questions being answered. So we're doing a five-star review question because a lot of you actually replied to this tweet on the Pegasus podcast account. So we're going to do a five-star review question. And then um, we have canceled tweet of the week for this week. And I've also made the executive decision to cancel game of the week until maybe until like one of the basketball teams proves that I, they deserve to be a game of the week um, or until softball starts in a month. We don't know. Could be <laughs> whichever happens first. going to be softball. Um, so we'll get to the, by the end, instead of those two segments, we're going to answer three more of the questions that we got um, under that tweet. So. Which we'll, I should stop we'll doing this because I posted the tweet and was like, I need one single question for the podcast. And <laughs> You guys keep doing this annoying thing where you all leave questions I want to answer. So we so we have a bunch of them. So we need one singular question for the podcast, and everyone's just like, "Oh wait, so it's a mailbag." And it's like I don't blame you all for sending in questions because we wanted questions. But it's not even that it's a mailbag. I just I, I wasn't yeah. like, "Hey, everyone, coordinate, come up with one question together, we'll answer." I just put the tweet up and asked for questions, yeah. and a lot of people had questions. So we'll do. It's funny, we like we're not we're still not used to having this many people like asking like wanting to know our thoughts well we never really had because the the we have the twitter account now the pegasus podcast yeah. twitter so it's easy to just have that all in one place when before i guess it was dumb that we got almost three years into this without having a dedicated social media channel yeah, who cares? podcast but whatever we're here now that's what matters so fun times yeah um so let's get to this five-star review question comes from william stevenson it says if you could design the perfect 12 team football conference for ucf who would be in this conference so I'm going to give you, let me let you answer first and then explain that you already sent this, sent me your answer. And I was like, I don't want to change anything about that. And what I ended up doing was changing two teams. So let's go with your, let's go with yours first. Um, yeah, I'm pulling up mine. Sorry. I, I have to say <laughs> that, uh, who left that question? William, William Stevenson. Shout out to William because he, he left that question. And I think I replied to you with my list, maybe two minutes after he, posted it because i just got that yeah. question it's like i want to do this so i want to clarify with, with my thing here that i still can't find this list here we go that um i took into account everything when when crafting this new conference that i literally spent four minutes on creating and this isn't just like oh it would be fun for you to get to play these teams i thought about everything i thought about what kind of tv deal would they get with this league i i, I ignored like conference boundaries like i'm picking whatever teams i want oh, but yeah. i wanted you know so my league in alphabetical order that ucf will be in is duke florida Florida State, Georgia Tech, Memphis, Miami, North Carolina, South Carolina, UCF, obviously, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. And A would be great television deal because lots of good brands in there. But we have the Florida teams that UCF gets to play every year. They get Florida State, Miami, and Florida. Those are your big like tentpole games that'll sell the season tickets we'll have fun for. And then we also have the cannon fodder. You get Virginia, you get, you know, South Carolina, you get Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, teams that you know you can get with Duke. Like, so you have a nice mix of big games that are exciting and also teams you can actually beat. We've got all the major markets. We've got Orlando, Atlanta, Miami, and Memphis. This is a strong basketball league. We got Duke and Virginia in there. We got North Carolina. So that'll up the TV deal. And also make, you know, I still want men's basketball to be terrible no matter what perfectly we're <laughs> crafting. So that secures that and almost no travel. These are all Southeast teams. So there you go. That's my magic league that I've come up with for UCF. That's what I liked about it was like, it's, it's very Southeast focused. And I was mm -hmm. like, let me just keep it. And then I removed two teams and added two teams. So I don't even know if I should do the whole list. I guess I will, but I'll, I'll tell you tell you first what I made different. I just didn't include the Virginia teams, and instead I added NC State and Tennessee. Okay, because I thought that would be fun. I I dropped NC State for Wake Forest because I decided NC State's too good, and I wanted a team that UCF could <laughs> could beat more regularly. I, I didn't really think I didn't think about this like which what can UCF. I, I didn't fully think about this as what can UCF like uh, presumably do well in, but I did think because I was like. All right, well, if I'm going to make this geographic, like 
Well, I ended up, so I included in Georgia Tech, but I was like, I'm not going to pull Georgia because I don't want Georgia in this league. And then same thing with South Carolina. I pulled South Carolina, but I was like, I'm not going to add Clemson, even if Clemson is maybe finished because um, Dabo's cooked. But yeah, so I had UCF, Florida, Florida State, Miami. So I'm just doing this geographically. And then I had Georgia Tech from Georgia and then South Carolina and then Memphis and Tennessee, then North Carolina, North Carolina State, Duke and Wake Forest. So like basically everything too. you just said, except I just made a couple changes. I don't know what it Tennessee says about where UCF belongs that we both primarily chose a bunch of ACC teams, but what can you do? I also, the correct geographic thing. It is entire. And it's also because I've said before that one of my great frustrations with the big 12 is it's too good is all of these teams are very, very good in comparison to UCF. And there are no easy, like if you're an ACC team, if you're Miami, you get to play a bunch of teams that aren't very good in conference every year. You get to play Georgia Tech, who you probably should have knelt against. And I know it's stupid for me to use them as a team when they just beat UCF in the just... game, but <laughs> most years they're not that good. You get to play Syracuse. You get to play Wake Forest and Boston College. There's just mm. a lot of Virginia. There's a lot of teams that are yeah. generally not very good in that conference. And in the Big 12, every single team is good most of the time, and it's very frustrating. But yeah. I, the real answer, though, for this question, if we wanted UCF to just be the center of college football, is really just... A 12-team league, you take UCF and the 11 best SEC teams, and there you go. There's my league. And yeah. Rule the world. It's well, less really fun. want that. <laughs> well, yeah. I, no, because UCF would then – well, they still wouldn't have money. I forgot. Yeah. That'd be tough. Eh, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a fun question. I appreciate the question from I enjoyed that. William Stevenson. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to our answers. What's funny is we keep calling these five-star review questions. They're really not anymore. They're, They're not. questions. <laughs> we basically transitioned into out. questions. So Yeah. Mailbag question of the week um that's a long title for a segment but let's get into uh we'll talk transfer portal updates here and then this is actually also i forgot to mention this at the top our 2023 end of season awards show yeah sounds like it, that sounds more like grand than it is our it's very prestigious show, like we yeah. are going to have trophies mailed out to the winning players did you say this last year i did never <laughs> I do it but those no. aren't real i can just say whatever I want. um transfer portal updates the big so they've added six transfers since the last time we spoke yeah, on this podcast, not since we spoke, <laughs> that was earlier. Um, but the big thing is that they added linebackers, which, as we've discussed in the podcast, they need many. Um, haven't had any for a little while. I mean, other than Jason Johnson, well, like literally, they had they were too deep and not even really too deep this year, which is insane for yeah. a power five program. Um, so they added linebacker Josiah Pierre from Texas Tech, Xavier Carter from UNLV, and X3 Alexander from Idaho. And that's the big one. Alexander, I think, is like. Of all of the guys that can play linebacker that they've added, I think he's like the only true linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's we talk about him first because I, I probably I've looked it up and I think it's X three Jack uh, Alexander, but I think I'm just gonna call him X because that sounds easy. So let's okay, you can do that. I'm gonna stick with Alexander, but you can call him X. Um, okay. this is probably am I exaggerating to say I think that outside of KJ, this is their biggest portal get of this cycle. Is that fair? Probably, and I just I'm I try I'm trying to be more cautious this year about all this stuff because I've never seen him play personally. So yes, I have never been to Idaho, so I've not seen him play personally well, either. I don't mean I, I've never seen him on TV either. So I don't mean like I haven't been to see him in I don't person. But no, Idaho is on TV, so I'm not sure about that either. But yeah, I, I mean the thing with Alexander is this is the closest I've felt since this entire cycle started to feeling oh hey maybe linebacker won't be a train wreck next year. He's a guy that we knew UCF was in on for a while and someone that I was, you know, I was texting you, I think every day saying, God, I hope that Alexander commits today. I really hope they can land him because, so the deal with him is that he is a true freshman and he went to Idaho. He was 
a mid-level three-star. He did have some Power Five offers. He, was he like had Arizona, was, Arizona State, Arizona right? and Arizona he State. Initially committed to Arizona State. Yeah, and then he ended up at yeah. Idaho, which was sort of weird to begin with. And he had an insane true freshman season. He had seventy-four total tackles. He forced two fumbles. He did this all as a true freshman, and then he hopped in the portal, and he immediately got a lot of interest. Nebraska offered, Washington offered. His top three ended up being UCF, Michigan State, and and uh, Cal. And I kind of felt like Cal had the edge because he's from Washington State and he's a West Coast kid. And it's pretty rare to see players enter the portal to portal even farther away from where they're from. Usually they end up closer to home. So I thought that hurt UCF, but he's literally coming across the entire country to come here. And it is huge that they got him for a couple of reasons. One is that I think he's an immediate starter. I think he comes in and I don't know. We never know. But as we talked about last year, the majority of the guys who then we talk about, oh, what we were thinking, it's like former four stars and former blue chippers who didn't really play at their last stop for this guy to have been yeah. a true freshman and already having a lot of success, even at the FCS level, that makes you think that that'll translate. And it's also, we don't talk about enough with the portal guys. We're just always about filling needs. Well, they have a need at linebacker. They have a need at right tackle getting a guy with three years of eligibility left that you hope that maybe we can finally, he's the chosen one where we break the cycle <laughs> of not having to worry about linebacker every freaking off season. That's huge. So there's a lot riding on him panning out, but I feel super, super good about him. And I feel, I feel my blood pressure lowering about linebacker for the first time in a very long time. So it's not solved. We don't know, but I, I feel good about him. Yeah. And that's where, like, like you mentioned, doing all that as a true freshman, I don't care if it was at the FCS level. I don't really care where it is. Like true freshmen don't really have that type of production. Typically. Yeah, they don't. It's just, that's, that's, and so maybe, maybe it was a product of him playing, you know, a, a below like where his skill level is and now he's you know he's taking that step up i don't really know i again i haven't watched much fcs football um but no i mean to get him and and because of how big of a need it is to assume i think it's safe to assume although i think maybe i did this with ryan davis last year i think it's safe to assume that he is one of your starting linebackers in 2024 i must have 2023 it's weird we're now in a new year yeah um it's even safer think... to assume with him because unlike when ryan davis came in there are legitimately no other options so he is by yeah. default your starting linebacker for 2024 i mean and he the fact that he's had production like that's that's yeah. what i'm loving about this class so far is that a lot of these guys and we talked about this when the portal first opened is that they're going after guys it seems that i mean for the most part there's some some outliers but have had a lot of production or have had some production and played meaningful snaps at their previous schools and that feels more like there should be a higher hit rate on those guys than the guys that, oh, they didn't work out at first school and we'll see if they work out here. And it's not, it's of course never that cut and dry because I, I think the biggest bust of this class was Corey Gamage, who was a two-year starter at Marshall and very good. And then we still don't know what happened there. DeCorian Patterson was another guy who was really good. And he, I wouldn't call him a bust. He worked his way into the no, lineup as yeah. the season went along, but he wasn't some, he wasn't as impactful as we sort of thought he would be, but there's no there's no position and no area of talent in the portal. That's a 100% sure thing. But now that we have a sample size of a few years, college football wide, when you look at the guys who pan out the most, it's either high level starters who are leaving for a bag. Like we're talking about Dylan Gabriel, guys like that, who are already stars at very good schools. And it's FCS guys. The FCS guys who are putting up crazy numbers, yeah. they tend to hit really well. And UCF's had success with that in the past with guys like Jason Johnson, guys like Bryson Armstrong. I, I know that uh, well, I was going to say to Jordan Mass, but he wasn't FCS. He came from Texas Tech, I think, before he got hurt. Um, but so when you look at some of the guys that UCF's bringing in, why are you looking confused when I said that? Because I feel like he came from like Texas State or something. Okay, well, Texas, what did I say? Texas Tech. I meant Texas State. I, I oh, okay. Texas State is where he came from. I misspoke, sorry. Okay. Um, I was thinking Texas State, and then I said the school that's name is more in my head, I guess. But so from that perspective, that makes me excited about Alexander and just about a lot of the guys in this class. I mean, like Dalen Dotson yeah. is another one that comes to mind. They're bringing in just really 
experienced players, which is not, which feels like the recipe for success versus this guy used to be a four star. So we like him. Yeah. And the other, the, so kind of the other thing where you probably pencil him in as a starter, and then we'll kind of see how the re- the other starting linebacker plays out because they've got a lot of these guys who I think they're probably going to, I don't want to say convert because they played linebacker before, but have been more of like hybrid players. We talked about yeah. Sean Pace last week and he was at Cincinnati as like a hybrid linebacker safety. And, and his graphic Pierre, UCF declared they yeah. were bringing him in as a safety. So not linebacker room. And so he'll, I think he'll probably play that hybrid role in, in this defense, you know, Presumably, whatever that, yeah. I don't know what they call it. Um, and then Star? Josiah Pierre, I think maybe that's what they call they it. Have Cincinnati, Star, so they have Buck Knight Knight. I think Knight, Knight's gone. Right? I think they got rid of oh, Knight when Addison came in. I think, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's weird. Yeah. Just use real um, names for positions, guys. Like, come on. Right. The ones that have been used for many, 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 many years. Um, Josiah Pierre has kind of played defensive end and linebacker and same with Xavier Carter. So, I mean, when you look at their body types, I'm not, not remembering off the top of my head, but like, I think can't remember which one of them is a little smaller, um, but they've played linebacker in the past. That's what I, right. I think is important to remember. And, until they got Alexander, I was kind of like telling you, I was like, can they really just not get like a true linebacker? Or are they just going to have to? It was like they were intentionally guys... in avoiding it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hope that one of these guys will hit. Um, but and it's still kind of the case, but they have at least have one in, in Alexander. And then they have another like, you go to Josiah Pierre's um, Texas Tech profile. Like he he's listed as a linebacker. He's 6'2", 240, which is not really, you're not going to play him out on the edge too much. Um but yeah, I mean, he, I think these guys again have played meaningful snaps at the previous schools and filling a huge need. And I told we told we talked about this on the podcast. It was like I said, just go out and get as many linebackers as you can. I don't really yeah. care. Just like, just give yourself a chance to hit on a on a key starter and then one that's like at least good enough. And hopefully they've done that. I mean, we won't know until we know. But, but we're at the point where now you, a lot of guys. you look at that room and they have Josiah Pierre, they have Xavier Carter, they have X-Ray Alexander. Is that how he determined? I think said? so, yeah. And then you have Andrew Harris and you have Troy Ford. Now it's a room again. It's like, yeah. I think they can probably mold that into something good. I will say that just to cold take myself so I can get this out here and we can circle back in a year and be like, Christian is an idiot and you need to stop listening to him. The one I'm absolutely least high on is Xavier Carter. Xavier Carter feels like the exact type of player that they were taking too much in past portal classes and isn't going to work out. He was a former blue chipper at LSU. Then he transferred to UNLV and didn't really do much at UNLV and was not yeah. a major contributor. And now he's at UCF that it feels, it reminded me of Isaiah Paul last year, like just someone who it feels mm. like we're just bringing him in that depth. I don't buy that one panning out, but I feel really good about Alexander. Josiah Pierre, you never know. I I I will settle for one good linebacker at this point. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to settle. <laughs> I, I, the I will, thing is, I like, okay with that. You give yourself a chance to have a good enough hit rate to where, like, you have you have the linebackers you need. If they whiff on all of them, then that's when you start to talk about, like, all right. I know portal recruiting is difficult, but then you start to have the conversations about can they identify talent or not. It's tough though because, because when there's a guy like Alexander where he hops in the portal and Michigan State and Washington and Nebraska are all interested, that implies they see something. Yeah. Like it's not like UCF's just going out on a limb and finding some diamond in the rough and saying we're going to develop him or whatever. I mean, this is a guy that was sought after and most of the guys they've gone after have been like that where UCF's actually winning battles against other pretty good programs. So that hopefully helps. But like you said it's about hit rate between Josiah Pierre and Xre Alexander and Xavier and Andrew Harris and Troy Ford, you, you just Deshaun basically Pace if, whatever if you want Deshaun to Pace if it gets that desperate, and they might not even be done. They might keep adding. We'll see what happens. But you, you just need to find two that, that can do yeah. the job, and that's pretty much it. So, 
Yeah. And then you pray um, for then, no injuries. Yeah. And then the other, so they added three more um, that weren't linebackers this past week. Um, one of the defensive back, I think, he, I think he's primarily a corner, right? Is Antoine Jackson from ECU. Yeah. He's a corner. Um, yeah. And then there's West, uh, West Dorsey, an offensive tackle out of Western Kentucky, I believe a right tackle. Yep. And then Goldie Lawrence, a wide receiver from FSU, who was a big target of UCF's was it last year, 2022 yep. cycle. Class of 2023. Or 2023 cycle. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think adds at important positions of need. And in the, the Goldie Lawrence one, we'll see how it works out, but that's a bigger position of need now because Javon Baker, we alluded to it last week, and now he finally announced it for sure. He's not coming back. He's going into the NFL draft. So I mean, I think I think he's an NFL player, and I'm best wishes to him. I know there's been weird, a weird bit of reaction to that, but UCF fans are weird. It's so. a weird situation. I mean, it's it's not something I'm gonna be bitter about for two reasons. One is because I am never ever in a billion years going to fault a player going to the NFL when they're actually going to get drafted. I'll fault yeah. it when it's Dredrick Snelson, because that made no sense. But yeah, J- Javon should get drafted. And the other reason I'm not going to fault it is because UCF had zero players drafted last year. And I'd <laughs> like that to not happen again this year and not have April whatever be an embarrassing sad day. So if Javon and Tramon Morris Brash want to go get drafted so I can talk about that on Twitter, that'd be swell. So I'm, I'm okay with it, maybe. even though I'm sad. And uh, now they have Goldie Lawrence, so who cares? They're, they're sad. Yeah. Um, I, don't, joke, I didn't look too much. In, yeah, I didn't look too much into Lawrence. He didn't really play much, did he? No, he did. He, right? I don't know if he, yeah, he, yeah. he, he did not play much. Um, th- Listen, he's a seminal kid. It's good to maintain that relationship. This is also, you just don't know wide receivers are iffy, but if he does pan out great. And I think this is a situation, which is why it's good to never burn your relationships with the high school kids when they go elsewhere. It's why UCF recruits the way they do for moments like this, because they say we might miss yeah. out on him the first time, but we won't the second time. And maybe he pans out, maybe he doesn't, but it was a nice ad either way. I, Antoine Jackson is a really interesting one. The corner they added because- yeah. So he was a four-star coming out of coming out of high school. He signed with Miami and then was released from the NLI. I don't know if it's public what happened there. I couldn't find any like at least public information on what the deal was or why mm-hmm. he whether he asked out of it or whatever happened there. Landed at East Carolina was like pretty solid for a true freshman, and now he's at UCF. So that's that's another which again same thing as Alexander. Multiple years of eligibility remaining. Yeah. We love that. So he's an interesting one for sure. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to get to about these guys? Because I mean, I, I guess we could talk about Dorsey for a second. I mean, I don't know too much other than he was a starter at Western Kentucky and, you know, fills a need on the offensive line. We talked last week about them probably needing to go out and get a tackle. Yeah. And they went out and got one. So it, we actually know. had a really weird podcast last week because we sort of like on our own discovered things they ne- they needed through talking. Like we were like, oh, they might yeah. need like a corner. Then we're looking at the O-line and we're like, I guess they need a tackle. And and I guess Gus Malzahn was listening and was like, ah, oh, dang, they're right. Let's let's <laughs> like They've identified our needs. Let's go, <laughs> let's go fill them. So, I don't yeah, know anything don't know. about West Dorsey. I, I couldn't even find a public offer list of who was interested in him when he got in the portal. So I have no idea. But it's best case large. scenario, he's your final starter on the O-line. He has a large He's man. like six, seven or something like that. So yeah. yeah. Maybe um, Dawkins can use him if he doesn't start for <laughs> football. Dawkins could use anyone at this point. Oh, um man. Let's get into our end of year awards, which yes, I feel like this might, I don't know if this is later than we normally do them, but like you and I were like, what should we do for the podcast this week? And then I realized that we hadn't done our award show. And I was like, I looked it up. It's the exact same week we did it last year. Is it really? Yes. So we could have just played it off, but I'm glad you announced on the podcast that we just didn't have a topic and decided to do our awards because we forgot. I feel like our transparency is endearing. So for those who are new to the podcast, these are very prestigious awards. Um, They, they're, they're great. And uh, (laughs) you had more to say after that. I was like, they're very okay, prestigious. I thought you were going to go into a. They are. I know. I, I know I, the players are eagerly, eagerly awaiting their trophies that we will definitely be sending out. What? Here's another peek behind the curtain of how unprepared I am. I meant to go back and listen to last year so I could mention last year's winners when we 
did like the different categories and I didn't do that. I remember like who I had for two of them, but I don't remember other than that. So I have mine. Do you? I don't have mine. I lo I looked it up and I went back to the like the actual podcast to listen to some of it. And then I was like, all right, I'll do that. I'll do that before we do we before we record. And then I never did. You talk um, for like 10 seconds. I can pull up mine. Okay, I'll talk for 10 seconds. Well, so I'll just go through the list of of awards. And we have some new ones this year. But we have offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, breakout player of the year, newcomer of the year, which is usually transfer, and then freshman of the year as we separate those, and then uniform of the year, and a no a new one this year. UCF fan debate of the year, or if you want to call it whatever, these weird things that people would kind of, you know, pick at each other about week in and week out of the season. There were a lot of them. So a lot of, a lot of good candidates there. Um, I feel like we're going to pick the same that. one, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. So postseason podcast award winners from last year for me anyway, was my offensive player of the year was Isaiah Bowser. We had Mine was RJ Harvey. Yep. Uh, defensive player yeah. of the year was Jason Johnson for me. I had, I had um, Traymond Morris Brash, I believe. Breakout player of the year was RJ Harvey. I might have put Harvey for that one too. I don't remember. Newcomer of the year was Javon Baker. Sounds about right. Moment of the year was RJ Harvey's moonwalk touchdown into the end zone against Cincinnati. Oh, we did we did we do a moment of the year this year? Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Okay. I don't have one. Oh, Great I don't I have one. I have one. Um, I have one in my head. I have one okay. in my head. I never wrote it down. And my uniform yeah. of the year was the Louisville combo, where they wore the black helmets with the or the gold helmets, excuse me, with the black jerseys and the black pants with the reverse stack UCF decal. It I don't nice. remember what mine would have been. It might have been the sin. No, was it night mode? Probably I not. just remember feeling like yours was dumb. I don't remember what it was. Well, you're probably going to feel the same way this year because okay. you're very high and mighty about your uniform opinions. I'm really um, not. Why does everyone say that? How am I high and mighty about my uniform opinions? People will tell you're... me they disagree with me, and I'm like, ah, oh, fair. <laughs> Because you're very opinionated of everything, so people just assume that. Um, all right, let's get into offensive player of the year. Do you want to go first, and then we'll kind of... I'll go first. I don't know. Okay, that's cool. Go first. RJ Harvey. Yeah, easy. Right? I, I started yeah. overthinking it, because when we when we were talking about what award categories we're going to do, I texted you and said, for the first year we've done these, offensive player of the year was easy. And then I paused and was like, they had one first teamer on offense, and it wasn't RJ Harvey, so was this easy? Then I thought, <laughs> like, it has to be RJ. So, yeah, I mean... He yeah. was the most consistently great player on offense. He had the best running back season for UCF since Kevin Smith. Over 1,400 yeah. yards, 16 touchdowns, 6.3 yards per carry. Let's not overcomplicate it. He was far and away the best player on offense this year. Yeah, no, he had 1,416 rushing yards. Pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Uh, 16 touchdowns, then through the area, two, 238 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Like, you could have made a case for Javon Baker, but I think when you look at this offense and the success it had, a lot of it, a lot more of it came from the run game. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. how you, how you don't pick our, I, I, I still, I hope this was not a surprise on, to anyone. I think this, yeah. this feels like the obvious pick, but that's the annoying thing is that he was snubbed for, for all big 12. Like it's just, yeah. UCF's best player on offense was not listed anywhere in the big 12 all team rankings. <laughs> well, Javon Baker got first team, which Javon Baker deserved first team. I just, and I yeah. understand that running back was very deep in the big 12, but still just crazy. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, well, we did not spend very much time on that. I guess we didn't really have to. Because um, usually, like, I don't know, like, honestly, we, this is the third Pegasus Podcast postseason awards. And the first one was 2021, where the whole team was hurt, and we didn't yeah. know what to do. And then the next one was 2022, where the offense was just weird and not great for a lot of the year. And it couldn't be Plumley because he had did not have a good year. So it, it's been tough. I think it's cool that we're three years into this, and at no point has a quarterback been the clear pick, I think is interesting. Yeah, um, I think last year we, we spent more time on this because there was 
Like you picked Bowser, I picked Harvey, and my yeah. whole like argument was like Harvey did more with what he was given because he had like almost the same amount of yards as as Bowser did on like a lot fewer carries. But no, it, it was a, it was a clear cut one. This and my year. argument more... and my argument was that they called on a Bowser to throw a, a critical fourth down pass. So, um, I had more trouble with defensive player of the year. So let's go to defensive player of the year. Am I my, going first every time? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you should. Okay. Uh, my defensive player of the year was Traymon Morris Brash. Okay. See, I don't, I still don't know mine, but go with, let's, let's hear yours. Okay. I went with Traymon Morris Brash because I felt like he was probably the biggest game changer they had on defense this year. Yeah. He had 20 and a half TFLs, eight and a half sacks. He was 24th in the country in sacks, which I didn't realize. And he was all big 12 first team. I, I, there was no way in hell I was going to pick a linebacker, obviously. And I don't know. There was no, yeah. there, I, it felt like I'm actually curious who you had our time with. Cause I genuinely felt like there wasn't anyone else that I felt like stood out enough for it. And I, I might have a hard time making this case, but I picked Lee Hunter just because okay. I thought he was that like for his position, like he's not going to have the stats like, yeah. like an outside guy will, but I thought for his position, he was pretty like fairly dominant. And I'm not going to fight you on that. Excited. Cause I feel like DTs are another one of those positions where, you often just don't notice their impact. You'll notice it if they're bad, but you're not going to like, it's hard. It, like the average college football fan in the third quarter isn't like, wow, yeah, Lee Hunter's having a great game, you know? What's surprising to me is he had, he was third on the team in tackles. And I feel like you don't really, really? get that a lot from, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't get that a lot from your defensive tackles. And and then that was the thing is like a lot of the time, I've said this all, all year was if the opposing team's running back got through the line of scrimmage, it was going to be a 20 yard gain. And a lot of the times that, that that didn't happen, it was Lee Hunter. I mean, it was John Walker, too, and Ricky Barber. But Lee Hunter, I thought, was the guy where I feel like every week there was a moment where I was like, Lee Hunter just swallowed up another human being. And, yeah. and the get ready to learn Lee Hunter, buddy, meme. What's his may have, Twitter what? handle? The Fridge? Is that what it is? Oh, something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like that. I mean, I agree with you uh, because it's this, it's the college football it's the college football play that you remember the least. It's the one where the opposing team's running back gets the ball and then runs into a wall two yards past the line of scrimmage. Like no one remembers that play, but it's important. Yeah. So I'm not going to fight you on that one. I, the I'm, other I'm, weird I'm okay thing is, yeah, I don't think ESPN really does like tackles for loss. I want to know how many tackles for loss he had because I, can I pull didn't. Up. Could you? Okay. Yeah. Sports reference does TFLs. He had 69 tackles for, it was third on the team. He had three sacks. Um, and then I did, I almost pivoted to Tremont Morris Brash at the last minute, but I figured if you were going to pick Tremont Morris Brash, I would just stick with my original one and, and give it what did Lee Hunter had 11 TFLs that is very good that's pretty good yeah it's pretty I solid feel like, I feel even better about my picks so 11 tackles for loss and three sacks that's uh yeah I'm, I'm with you okay never mind Traymon Morris Brash and we're sending my award <laughs> no but I mean Traymon yeah. Traymon deserves it too so yeah absolutely. and I also picked Traymon Traymon last year so I was yeah. like let me be different and I'm making up also, for taking a linebacker last year Lee Hunter being back is I mean he was not gonna not be back but just I don't know I'm excited the fact that the fact they had he had such a good season and he has more to come I just Lee Hunter John Walker and Ricky Barber are all back like I dare a team to run Derek LeBlanc UCF. like Derek LeBlanc exists and is on the yeah. roster we keep forgetting about him damn it I just did it again yeah <laughs> D-line's gonna be fun next year yeah I think so um yeah. all right let's do breakout of the year breakout player of the year you go first <laughs> okay Malachi Lawrence that's a good one. I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. I thought that one was fair. I didn't really know if that you thought it was other, obvious. Okay. I thought it was, but I don't know who like, it depends on. Should I, I just we'll say mine yours, but, and then we'll talk so about each for a second. I'll just talk okay, about go ahead. Malachi Lawrence. If you didn't pick him. So seven and a half sacks second on the team. I mean, by the end of the year, he had kind of supplanted Josh Seliscar as a starter. Like he was getting 
more of more snaps and a higher snap share because he earned it. And he was kind of a guy that like going into the year, I didn't really expect like, Oh, like maybe he'll be in the rotation. He was just one of the names to me that was like, Oh yeah, they also have this guy. And then he turns out to be, you know, to have the kind of season that he had. And I think another guy who probably is just scratching the surface and could be really good for them next year, a huge key player for the defense. All right, so, let's, let's hear. So yours. this is I'm one of those. Th- well, let me talk about Malachi Lawrence for a second. We'll okay. keep the suspense going of uh, of what my uh, breakout player was. Yeah. Um. It it was a uh, it was John Rice Plumley. I love the leap he took. Um. You know whatever. But the thing about Malachi Lawrence too is that we didn't really talk about it a ton when Josh Selaskar entered the portal because it was a lot of oh no UCF lost a starter. Selaskar his role was being taken away by Malachi Lawrence, which is sort <laughs> of an insane thing to say given how long. Selaskar has been good here. And, yeah. But so I'm. I, Selaskar I'm totally was a four year starter. Yeah. And eventually Malachi Lawrence was like, no, nah, that's my spot. And he's also Which is just crazy. I mean, you were watching. <laughs> How often does a team captain who's in his fourth year at the team see his role start to dissipate as the season goes on? Like, I just. And then, see and then transfer it. Everyone's kind of like, ah, oh, it's like, we'll miss him, but they, they've got Malachi Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. They've got this other guy that no one really knew much about, but like 12 months ago. Well, so. as for the fan base, get ready to learn Malachi Lawrence, buddy. I guess that's the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the. Deal. Exactly. All right, um, we ready yours. for my mystery one? Damari Henderson. Yes. Oh, okay, I like that. 45 total tackles, three picks, three fumble recoveries. He was the fourth ever UCF player to be named Walter Camp National Player of the Week. And he's one of those guys where, again, he was just, he wasn't someone we didn't know about just because he was a highly rated recruit that we were excited yeah. for, but he went from, oh, cool, he got on the field in the military bowl to one of the most single dominant defensive performances by a UCF player ever. And I know that he was a little up and down as the season went along, but he is one of those guys we're going into next year. I'm really excited they have. And so he was my pick for. No, I like it because I'm a very big fan of his. And yeah, I mean, I, I think like I did, his name did pop up as I was looking through the roster and kind of thinking like, all right, who really kind of not came out of nowhere, but you know, like who was a breakout player this year. Right. I think, like you said, he had some up and down ups and downs. And I thought he was a little boomer bust sometimes, which is probably why I didn't immediately think like Damari Henderson, but that's a good yeah. pick. That's actually, I like yours too. Yeah. We're we're this fun. is weird. This usually is we usually we argue and instead we're just all of our picks. We're like, oh, well done. That's going to change yeah. with the newcomer of the year, but that's fine. Is it now? Yes. Newcomer of the year. You Let's go first. It. You're up. Marcellus Marshall. Oh, I also did Marcellus Marshall. Yes. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Man. I looked at I looked at the list because we have freshman of the year, too. So like I looked yeah. at the transfers. And I was like, who else could it be? You don't like, realize don't... how bad this transfer class was until you have to pick the best one. Because my God, it, it's it's bad. I almost picked Gage King, and I'm not even joking. I almost did too. And then oh I thought, God. oh, wait, let me look at the offensive line. Yeah, and, and then I realized. Because, I mean, I thought Amari Kite by the end of the year ended up, like, he ended up playing a lot more and becoming yeah. more of the player we thought he'd be when he when he signed. But Marcellus Marshall was in there. He played the third most snaps of any offensive line. He played 789 snaps. And... He was just he was versatile, which I always love in an offensive line. Herb Hand loves it too. Yeah. Um, he played both guard spots and right tackle, and he's back next year. I, I don't know. That's why I like I'm looking down this list and I'm like, all these players that I'm picking are back next year. This is great. Hey, can you can we just take one more moment to think about what you just said? Marcellus Marshall came in as a transfer to UCF and Herb Hand said, Great, play three positions in season. And he did it. <laughs> and he did it really well. Yeah. Um, all the 12 different iterations of the offensive line we're going to put out there, you might play in, in three different spots. And he's like, all right, cool, I got it. Marcellus Marshall's New Year's resolution was probably like go more than four games in a row at the same position in 2024. But it sucks yeah. because he's so good at it that it became clear that every time they had to configure, he was the chess right. piece they just kind of could put to the side of the board and figure everyone else out and just slot him where he needed to go and he would make it work. So he's UCF, a super valuable player. I think even before Herb Hand, UCF has loved guys like that. Well, they, I mean, they do... 
they just, I mean, I guess everyone would, but like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like a lot, I feel like a lot of offensive line coaches or just teams in general are going to say, let's pick our five starting like offensive linemen. Like that's, we're going to set it. And then UCF was like, what if we just did a bunch of them and just figured it out? And most, most different, most of the different combinations were good. And was I think it that's... a few years ago, was it Cole Schneider who had to unexpectedly just become the center for a little bit? I think and so. It, and it yeah. went off like without a hitch, like what it was barely yeah. worth mentioning it once so well. Yeah. It, it's like they have one of those guys that every year. I think they had multiple guys like that. I mean, obviously, Lokahi was another one who had to play center at some points this year yeah. and did a good job. So, but yeah, I thought like Marcellus Marshall just had the edge over Amari Kite and Gage King, which the case for Gage King was like he came in, you didn't notice him. Good. That was seriously the point I was going to make. Ward. And like, I went through the exact same thing you did where I looked at the list and there was no one. And I was like, I think I'm picking Gage King. And then the last second, I was like, all right, well, the O-lineman. And then I settled on Marshall. Yeah. But I mean, seriously, Ga- we didn't have to say his name once this entire year. And I, it's one of those things that you don't ever want to think about. But UCF's now years into just never even having to worry about long snapper. And there are teams that cannot yeah. say that. So that that's a big deal. It's funny because like that's the what you want to say about a long snapper. A lot of cases, that's what you say about offensive linemen too. It's like yeah, if you don't say their name, it's probably a good thing. And and I think you know, when does an offensive lineman ever come up like while watching a game that's not something bad? It just doesn't happen. The only thing you can think of is like if there's a big play and a big block, like a big pancake block, like sprung the play. Like that's that's sure, all I can but, think of. Yeah, and and like if they do, and and if like the if the announcer goes back and points out like, oh, look at the pass protection here, like that's really yeah, like you have to to dial in on it. And that's why it's kind of a thankless job because it it is sort of unfortunate that it's like you play a position where the only time the fan base will ever appreciate you is if the color commentator has the wherewithal to point out after a play that you did something. Like that's I mean that's 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 your claim. But that's what like I think that's why I love the position. I think that's why offensive linemen love the position in general. Like, yeah, uh, it's just, they, they, they take pride in that. And I think that's cool. Oh, linemen um, are very unique guys. It's also, I think that statistically it's the lowest rate of transferring of any position in college football is offensive line. It's pretty rare for offensive linemen to move, even if they're not, look at Paul Rubel. Paul Rubel's barely gone on the field. Yeah. Like he's just living it up, getting a degree, having yeah. to live, living his life in Orlando. <laughs> I respect it. I do too. Um, let's do freshman of the year. Freshman of the year. This one was, easy right i think so okay i picked john walker <laughs> okay i did too i don't yeah. know you made me think that you might have picked randy Pittman, who i think i like randy Pittman could have been considered but yeah. this is that debate we just had i would be buying into that if i picked randy Pittman because john walker yeah. i feel like is one of those guys who it's just you don't necessarily notice while watching a game the impact he has where randy Pittman, it's like oh we caught a pass but there is not I, I mean there is not enough to be said about how john walker came in as a true freshman and uh ricky barber was hurt for a lot of the season and john yeah. walker made you kind of not notice that which is crazy to think about john walker had to yeah like be a starter as a true freshman and we talked about it like he was obviously like the prize recruit of last year's class and we we're like you know we'll see they'll bring him along like he might play some in the rotation but then he had to play he had to play like starting snaps yeah and he was good he was really at a position good, that requires a lot of physicality and it's yeah. not always easy just come up from high school and say okay power five conference go and he did because yeah, you think like, all right, getting like a year in the weight program, like all this stuff. And like, he obviously came in as a big kid in general, but like, it's just unbelievable. I mean, he 20 tackles, a half a sack, like a lot of, a lot of him, like it's different because Lee Hunter, the stats we just put, put out there is like crazy. But for a lot of times with defensive tackles, like their stats aren't going to be crazy in your face, but that's just because that's the nature of the position. It's kind of like offensive line. Yeah. Um, it's like when you're on the interior like that, no one's going to. No one's really like, oh, look at this guy, unless you make a tackle for loss or something like that. So now I'm curious, are you looking up his tackles for loss? Because I don't I know. If, Did you notice? Yeah, I immediately said that I wanted to I wanted yeah. to see, but 
Yeah, I mean, he had. I got excited though because okay, there have been too many damn John Walkers, and I can't find. <laughs> Hold on, uh, John um, Walker UCF. Yeah, I don't know. I I think just to talk a little bit while you're looking this up, like Randy Pittman was one I considered, but it was like John Walker was the one who had to step in and be a starting defensive lineman in a power on a power five defense, which I mean wasn't a good defense, but it was a good defensive line. And yeah, he didn't really like you didn't miss Ricky Barber as good as he is. You weren't like, oh man, like they are not faring well without him. Like John Walker was just, he was a dude. Yeah, he was. And and it's funny because you said something about that really got me excited because you were saying, you know, and typically for a position like that, it's like, oh, we'll give him a year in the weight program. And I just, in my head, I'm like, he was this good. And now he's going to go through the weight. And now he's gone through the weight program for a year. Like, oh my gosh, that, um, I am, here we go. Sorry. There were a lot of John Walkers to scroll through. Um, he had five TFLs. Okay. I mean, that's. Solid. For a true freshman, solid. That yeah, no. I'm, for a I'm non full time starter, true freshman, I will take five TFLs over the course of the season. Very very pleased with what we saw from him. And while well, they didn't win the prestigious award, shout out to both Randy Pittman and Braden Marshall, two other true freshmen yeah. who had really really solid years and were contributing in a big way at a very young age, which is very exciting. God, everyone we're talking about are guys back. UCF's yeah. going undefeated next year. Some are saying mm. crazy. Mm. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know because I, I forgot to write this down. So I don't know where where in this list you had moment of the year, but let's do moment of the year now. Okay. Um, uh, I want to hear what you had. My moment of the year was RJ Harvey's 93 yard touchdown, I believe it was. Dang, we're just lining up on this too much. Mine was more of like the entire sequence because it was Damari Henderson getting a pick. It was Damari Henderson, right? Yep. Yeah, Damari Henderson with an interception at the eight yard line. And then the very next play, him running for a 92 yard touchdown. And that was. That sequence, like, because they were blowing out Oklahoma State in the first half, but I was still kind of like, I don't know, like, they, mm, I don't know. And then it's thirty, it's twenty four to three. Oklahoma State's like driving, and I'm like, all right, they score here, like, we're back in a game. Interception, ninety two yard touchdown, and it was thirty one to three. Like at that point, I was like, all right, they're going to beat the number fifteen team in the country. And that's exactly it is because exactly what you said that because UCF fumbled on offense and now Oklahoma state has the ball. And I'm just, yeah. I, I didn't believe at any point until that play. And then suddenly I'm in the press box and I'm like, Oh, UCF is going to straight up boat race the number 15 team in the country. <laughs> like it just sort of clicked. So shout out to RJ Harvey for two years in a row, having an iconic touchdown being our moment of the year on the podcast. But that was a great play. Yeah. And just everything about it. Like the broadcast is still talking about the pick and then they come back and they're just talking like, yeah, what a great intercept. Oh, okay. Yeah. RJ Harvey's gone. <laughs> you got in <laughs> yeah, just in time as he's just racing across the field. Oh, that's incredible. What a player. Um, just an, I'm so excited. He's back next year. I don't think I'd really felt fully how much I wanted him back until he announced he was coming back. I know that was a while ago now, but I, I mean, he's, I, he's the biggest star quote unquote they've had since DG probably since Mackenzie Milton from how much the fan base connects with him. I mean, the fans love him. He's a local yeah. guy. I, I'm so happy he's back next year. It almost makes you like wonder what that like lost year was when he, he tore his ACL. Was that in the spring game or was it some so, I don't remember. It wasn't. In, I don't remember either, but that was one of the things that, we knew and i don't remember if we said in the podcast or not but the expectation in 2021 was he was going to be rb1 and yeah we've like everyone that. knew that okay i yeah. wasn't sure if we had it like everybody knew that and then he got hurt obviously and you end up with bowser who was going to be rb3 because remember it was going to go their running back room that year oh. was going to be rj harvey bentavious thompson isaiah bowser those were the top yeah. three guys and then rj gets hurt bentavious i don't actually remember what the deal was with that he was kicked off the team wasn't he was he i think he might have been Okay. He, I'm not, I don't remember what happened. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry if I spoke out of turn there. I don't remember what he said. I don't remember what the deal was. He there. left one way or the other. Yeah, he but left. he He's left and then suddenly it was Bowser. It ended up being really solid, but it's like, imagine 2021 if Bowser as good as he was, was RB3. Uh, it it would have been a different, <laughs> it would have been a little bit of a different year, but yeah. 
Um, but so for RJ to come back with the two years that he's had to, and I felt like 2022 felt like, all right, he's back from his ACL injury. They're kind of easing him into this. They still have Bowser this year. It was like, all right, let's just unleash him. Like okay. toward the end of last year, that was what it was. But this year, especially it was like, this is our guy. And I love that. Yeah. Um, uniform of the year, uniform of the year. Um, to me, it was obvious and it was the, con- and you, you fans are going to disagree because you believe that something needs to be worn in a win for it to have looked good. But it was what they wore against Georgia Tech. It was the gold helmets with the black Pegasus mm. jerseys and the black pants with the white reverse deck UCF decal. We have a video podcast, so I can put up. I don't know if that's coming across well at all. This is as low tech as you can get, but sort of. The, the helmet is very bright. <laughs> this is not going well at all. Whatever. It's great for the audio too. Is that while while you were showing the pictures, we just we just went silent. silent. That was probably stupid. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's the best. That's the best we've seen. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's everything to me. And that, to me, that is the quintessential UCF combo. Like if we're ever so fortunate to see them play in a playoff game and they're, they get to be the home team or wear colors, that's what they need to wear. It's just the UCF look. It's the all black. It's the gold helmet, especially with these new gold helmets, man, that just shine so well and pop so much better than the old ones. And then white's always been a big part of UCF scheme. And they have that. You have the white decals, the white numbers, the Pegasus on the shoulders. It's just, it's the best thing they wear. It's the best thing they've ever worn is when they as when they roll out that combo. And Georgia Tech, we got to see the best version of it ever because I never even had a problem with the old gold helmets. I thought they were yeah. great. These new gold helmets are insane. I, they're just, it's such a good look. And I know they lost the game and so you guys hate it, but that that's the best thing they wear. No, I don't disagree. And that one, I didn't pick that one, but that's the one that has been for years, like my favorite look of theirs. It's just like the different iterations of it are great. Which they've worn it pretty it. sparingly. It's not a yeah. very common combo from them. Yeah, and I don't remember. Honestly, I wish I would have remembered what I picked last year. Did they wear it last year? Yeah, they were. That was mine last year. They wore the same thing against Louisville. Against Louisville. Okay, I don't remember what I picked last year, but I don't know. I just didn't want to go with that one because I feel like I've talked about that one. I wanted to show some love to the West Virginia combo because I like I like the white black white with the white face masks. Like the white face mask. There. Oh, you got it right up there. Um, and then the duck decal helmet. I something I never would have thought of, and I don't know if we, we probably talked about it at the time. Never would have thought that I wanted that. But then for them to have the duck inside the helmet, like inside the UCF decal for spirit for homecoming for spirit splashes, I just love it. Was a very it. Cool I, I love touch. how how innovative and just everything is. And it's funny because like that's the one I settled on. I had the the, the gas for the bowl one too, and then I had two other was other ones that are I don't know if people call them basic because I feel like I don't know maybe people call them basic, but I had two other ones that I was considering just because I liked how just nice they looked. And that was the. Villanova combo, the black, black, white with the mm-hmm. script, the white script knights on the helmet. Slept on and combo. then um I like the Kansas State one, the black, white, black. Yeah, I like that. And I think it was I originally, because I, I love their blackout look with the Pegasus, um, the Pegasus jersey. But I didn't like, and I don't really I don't know why this is a thing. I don't really like when they wear two different decals. Yeah, that's me. an acquired taste. So, I, so it's funny. I was fine with it at the time. As we've gotten farther away from it, I've liked it less when I see photos of it. The only one I like, well, I will like it when they do, if it's UC, the stack UCF on one side and the script Knights on the other side, I like that because it looks like the helmets say UCF Knights when you get the shots <laughs> yeah. of the players facing each other. The the UCF and the Knighthead, I'm like, yeah, they probably could have picked one. What I want to see, and I'm, I'm declaring this as a combo that must happen next year, even though, you know, why not? I'll just declare it. I want to see a blackout with the Pegasus jerseys. I want the white stack UCF decal on the helmet and I want the white face mask. That that mm. would be like the best blackout they've ever done if they if they I still want to see like a like a black helmet. Like you know like the black and white helmets they wear where there's no gold. It's just black and white. Yep. Wild Bill's gonna hate this because I said no gold. But <laughs> black helmet, white decal and it's the night head just like all white. I like a white that. version of the night head? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. 
I wonder if they'll. Yeah, we've really only seen what they've they've we've seen the knight head decal, but it's really always just the chrome gold. They haven't really yeah messed with it at all yet. That'd be cool to see. I'd be down for that. That would be interesting. So yeah, um, the ducks, man. It was, it was a very tough. cool touch. It was a very, and yeah. it just out of nowhere. It was, it was like, wasn't it like the day yeah. before the game, they were like, I think it was during Spirit Splash or after Spirit Splash. Because um, I was driving there on Friday, I think it was, or I was driving. Yeah. I don't remember my plans, but whatever. Yeah, I saw it. And I was like, there's no way. Like, that's, there's a duck in the helmet. <laughs> um, all right, new category. This is the last one fan debate of the year. Fan, is that what you call it? Fan debate sure. of the year. Fan debate of the year. Yeah. You said you think we might go with the same one. I'm curious which one you picked. So I picked Frankie Valley. Really? I ha- Listen, man, it turned into something that fans on opposite sides both raised tens of thousands of dollars you for know, what they felt was the right thing with that song. I just, I had to go Frankie Valley. I, I, I came up with this this thing and I misinterpreted the the award. Okay. I picked the dumbest one. <laughs> well, that's fine. I okay, Frankie so Valley's, can I give Frankie you my Valley's probably mention? the right one because of the money. That, yes, let's hear it. My honorable mention was when they got mad, when everyone got mad that Boise State was going to wear blue uniforms on a That was my pick for the, the dumbest. Oh, did you pick the of the year. Yeah, I picked blue, <laughs> blue uniforms on blue turf because, yeah, I mean, how, how were UCF ever going to see the human beings in the uniforms? Because they were just going to camouflage and blend in. That was a really, just... really stupid, stupid one. So I'm with you. I'm, 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 yeah. I, I will accept that as a pick. Um, I kind of I found it earlier. I'm gonna be able to if I if I if I found it if I can find it again. The list. Someone put the list out there, um, of just like what it was week by week. It was Sam Del Valley. He posted it. Uh, it's UCF Twitter Wars. Uh, Twitter Civil War 2023 <laughs> timeline. Yeah, I have it. Week one was the rained out tailgates. You might have read this on the podcast already. We did. Re- week was one was the week one. rained out tailgates. Week two was the Boise State all blue uniforms. Week three was why aren't they getting AP votes, which I don't even really remember. Oh, I remember that um, one. Week four was Moral Victory Part 1. I think I was after, what, K-State? Yep. Week five was Student Section Conundrum. <laughs> That's a good word. Week six was Frankie Valley, And then postseason was Frankie Valley as well. Um, week seven, Canaveral Blue Uniforms. Not the week of the was... space game, by the way. It was they got yeah, dropped people... and everyone hated them, but then they won the game, yeah. so now they're everyone's favorite space uniforms ever. Week eight, Moral Victory Part 2. <laughs> Week nine, fire somebody. Week ten, storm the field. Don't, which I remember you had a big part in. I did. Uh, week eleven, student section part two, and then week twelve, the whole kingdom and IL thing, where there was a lot, a lot going on with the kingdom. Um, what a year it's been for UCF fans. Can we predict what's what's it going to be next year? Like, I want you right now to give me a prediction. What is a stupid debate that will happen next year? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's already happened, so that one can't really count. Because then they have, I don't know if it, was, it wasn't included in that list, but what was it? Which game was it? Where there, it was Baylor. They were supposed to wear a whiteout on the team, and like everyone got so mad that they weren't wearing white. That was like oh, a big what thing. was that? Yeah, it was just like they, whatever There's, they I don't remember. I have to but, go on this rant really quickly again because I just, every, there might be some of you listening now who weren't listening then or maybe you missed the podcast, whatever. There's a, a significant chunk of the fan base that thinks that the home team can just wear whatever uniforms they want. UCF can't wear white uniforms at home. They need the opposing team's permission to do it. And every time you've ever yeah. seen them do it, it's only been a handful of times and the opposing team has given permission. It's rare for teams to give permission. They've denied permission before. UCF has denied permission to other teams before. So it, it's, it, it, I think my favorite example of that is on a, do you remember um, in 2018 when UCF played at Memphis? Yes. Do you remember what they wore? Yeah, it was all, all white. Did you know that that was a whiteout game for Memphis and the fans were all instructed to wear white? And Memphis had requested permission from UCF to wear white for the game and UCF said no. So UCF doesn't do. I didn't remember that. 
We know that we what, know that publicly yeah. because I forget what the newspaper is in Memphis. They wrote a story on it and tried to call out UCF, and no one cared. <laughs> it just did not become a thing. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know what it would be. I I know what one thing already, and it doesn't count for week one because it's not week one yet. But we'll get into that in the news. Um, I don't know if that's even really a debate. Everyone just hates it. I I can't pick one. Do you have one? I have a be something related to the Florida games. Yeah, be a big dumb one. I think there will be something about the swamp at night. I think if it's a night game, that's going to become a thing because there's already a Florida account out there that said that KJ Jefferson beating UF didn't count this year because it was a day game. So that could become a thing. I think that there could be something uniform related with the Colorado game. I think if they lose that game, yeah. fans are going to talk about how UCF needs Colorado's level of uniforms. Like if UCF wins the game, they're going to talk about how Colorado's gold uniforms or gold whatever sucks. I, I don't know. That's that's UCF I think that's fans. Where I'm at. UCF fans will complain about the how the number like the the total of uh, ticket allotment. Sorry, the ticket allotment at uf yes the that's like a good their one. ticket allotment they'll be like um, why we should get more tickets which the student section for the thursday night game against new hampshire is going to be a debate i'm certain of that yeah let's jump into that now we'll jump into All football right. news unless you have anything else you want to say but no that was the thing i was alluding to about it's not really really a debate i think everyone just kind of hates it um ucf's 2024 season opener against new hampshire has been moved to thursday august 29th I don't know why it didn't come as a surprise to me when they announced it, but I hadn't already like I'm more surprised that I hadn't figured that was going to happen anyway. Right. I kind of was just like, Since oh yeah, they literally always open on a Thursday. Especially Even though last like, year it was like, I'm glad they're opening on a Thursday. So they have extra time to prepare for Boise next week. Now it's, I'm glad they're opening on a Thursday. So they have two extra days to prepare for Sam Houston state at home, at home, <laughs> like, not like they would, like, like the they would ever Boise play state. at Sam Houston state. No, I know, like, but it's just happen. like the whole thing with Boise state was like, they have, extra time to prepare for Boise. And it's also, that's a long trip out there. And then this time it's just Thursday night home game against Sam Houston. So I'm going, Sam, I'm going against to say, New Hampshire. Yeah. I was a little sassy on Twitter about this. And I was told that there are recruiting implications to this and that Miami and Florida play on that Saturday. And that will be a big recruit game. And UCF would like to also get those recruits to their game so that it would be easier to put that game earlier. So there, there's always oh, a Miami and Florida play each other that Saturday. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So all the yeah, big Florida sense. state, all the state recruits will be at that game. So you see, they usually have valid reasons to do it. It just sucks for the fans. It really does. And it's one of those things where I feel like we do occasionally like lose sight a little bit of why we do this. Like, is there a real case to be made that because a recruit came to the Thursday night game against New Hampshire, they're more likely to commit than if they came to the Sam Houston game a week later? I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. This is supposed to be for the fans and it really sucks. It like, and I, I understand, like, for some fans, it's fine. It doesn't really affect me. I'll be there no matter what. But I know there are a lot of people who just can't really swing a weeknight game. People like you, for example, who live in a different we'll city. See if I, we'll see if I make it there. So, yeah. I've already thought I don't know if that's going to yeah. happen. Because it's, yeah, it's a lot. I don't know. We'll see yeah. if, if I make it there. But UCF hates I, I thought, like, last year was on a Thursday last year was on a Thursday and I was like but it's their first game as a big 12 team like I, I gotta go to that and so I made a weekend out of it and then this time it's like do I, do I want to put all this effort into going there for a game against New Hampshire when like I'm already gonna be making that trip several other times in the fall like if I skip New Hampshire I might like go to another game that I might not have otherwise gone to like last year I missed no I guess I just missed Villanova and Houston last year and Houston one wasn't like a yeah I'm not going because I don't feel like it. I'll tell you right now. I think that if you listen to this, you probably know that I'm a go to the games purist. I, I I have only ever missed games for very serious things. Like, well, like when I had COVID in 2021 for two games and that was frustrating. 
But like even off, I don't know if I ever got into it on the podcast with you, but I was really upset with you for not going to the Villanova game this year and was like yeah. chastising you via text for two weeks leading up to that game because I thought it was ridiculous. So that all being I'm really said, glad, I'm really glad I didn't go. That all being said, opening the season with New Hampshire and then Sam Houston sucks. <laughs> that is, those are just yeah. two completely meaningless guys. We're gonna be three weeks into the season before they played a real football game. That's the I thing. Think. I'm not, so I'll say this right now. I'm not going to both of those games. So it's gonna come mm-hmm. down to which game I'm gonna go to. And I would go, if I were you, I would go to Sam Houston because at least it's an FBS team and it's, and at least it's on a Saturday. That's fair. Yeah. New Hampshire exists purely as a buy game to get some I'm gonna be, revenue and that's it. I'm saying this on January 10th. So like when we get into the summer and I'm like, oh man, I miss, I can't, I can't wait for football. Like I'm going to be like, oh, it's the first game I got to go. Like I have to go. And then, okay. Well, I'll just say that my uh, evil plan here was to try to convince you that Sam Houston's the one you have to go to. Cause I know you won't miss the opener. So if I convince you, you're going to Sam Houston, you'll also go to New Hampshire and then I'll just have you at both. Now I'm going to be petty and not go to the season opener. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into the rest of the football news. Um, quite a bit to get through. Uh, UCF analyst, Bobby Bentley took the head coaching job at battleground Academy in Tennessee, um, which I believe is it's a awesome private school. Name. Some yeah. Battleground Academy. Really? Awesome. You don't think that's a public school? <laughs> academy. Battleground Academy. Let's just say say the name Academy. It's a it's a private school. I remember I looked at it and something about the school was unique to me. I don't remember what it was, so I guess it wasn't that unique. Why um, do why do public schools have stupid names? Have you ever noticed that? Like it's always it's always named after like a historical figure. Right? It's an old my school wasn't. Oh, yours wasn't. I don't. Yeah, it's always named yours. after. I was thinking of mine. It's always every public school that you've ever heard of is named after well that's i've already thought of exceptions so it's not totally true but the vast majority Everyone of them are either ever heard of the vast majority are either named after some random old person or like a really indescript natural thing like river falls high school or something and th- those are the only two types that exist that's it yeah no mine was like because that's the thing i don't know who i went to actually all this not all the schools my middle school and high school this is dumb that we're getting into this my middle school and high school i don't know who the person was that my school was named after the name of my middle school was an idea, which I feel, feel like is really stupid. Can I say okay, that? There's probably. nothing kind of. Yeah, I don't yeah know. like I, I didn't I didn't say mine because you seem like you didn't want to say yours. And I was like, is there a reason that I'm not thinking of to not well, say I don't my know. Like school? I generally don't like we don't share a ton of personal information on the podcast, but I don't know if it matters that people know what school I went to. Yeah. I, I don't I went think to, matter what school I went to twelve years ago. I went to Discovery Middle School. That was the name of my middle school. <laughs> mine was John I was Coleman Middle School. It was John A. Coleman. Do you know who that is? No. I don't either. And what about T.R. Robinson? I, I I just know the name because I know you went to Robinson, but I don't know who they are. I don't know who T.R. Robinson is. Yeah, I never knew. I never See, oh, yeah, bother here, to look it up either. We I have it right here. It up at some point, but your high school was your high school was old person's name, and mine was random thing. Mine was Timber Creek. So it's just yeah. it, that's it. Those are the two types <laughs> of high schools. And our rival was East River. Like we just had the stupidest names for high schools. Ours was H.B. Plant. Like that's a person. H.B. Plant. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, that sounds like someone that sounds like someone who's on the wrong side of the civil war like that's all i'm saying (laughs) well let's get into that probably have to Um, cut that who is hb plan no i don't know well in case i'm like slander i'll get through the rest of the i'll look it up the rest of the news uh john heisler announced his retirement on wednesday big guy he'd been in college communications for what 50 years that they said what was it earlier this year not earlier this year last year i was watching the catholics versus convicts um 30 for 30 and he just popped up and i was like that, that sean heisler yeah because i told yeah. did you ever finish that by the way i think you got halfway through it and then just stopped i don't know it's like my favorite 30 for 30 and then after an hour you're like i'm going to bed no i mean i was watching it like 1 a.m and i was like That's i have to true. get up for work in like five hours so um 
but yeah so i don't think i ever told you but because that's my favorite 30 for 30 and yeah you told me you were watching it and i was like god i really miss watching that so like when you were 20 minutes in i just also started it because i was like i've watched it a while (laughs) and then i watched the whole thing that night but yeah yeah um so let me talk about the ucs 2024 season opener tyler grable accepted an invitation to the shrine bowl and Alec Holler accepted an invitation to the Tropical Bowl. I don't think I knew that was a thing. Unless I probably say that every year. I see a Tropical Bowl thing. I'm like, the Tropical Bowl. Um, and then, as we mentioned earlier, Javon Baker entered the NFL draft, as did DeCorian Patterson. Um, and then the last thing here today was announced that Lee Davis was hired as UCS Assistant Athletics Director with the title of like Football Executive Ops and Recruiting. Um, what did you find? Oh, no. I was right. I was... You were wrong. <laughs> Because he said he was a railroad baron type guy, and it was because he had built a reputation for providing reliable and efficient express service. The cabinet of Confederate President Jefferson Davis made Plants Company the agent for the Confederacy in collecting tariffs and transferring funds during the Civil War. Okay. I didn't know that, um, <laughs> but it doesn't surprise me. The yeah. thing that does surprise me, I'm pretty sure there's an H.B. Plant like museum in Tampa. Like, a that's museum? Like, a thing. like for him? I, think, I don't know if it's for him. I've never been there. I, it's over by UT. I, I really don't know, but this has been the most probably the most chaotic news section we've ever been to. This is what happens when you're engaged in the news, Christian. When you just know, sit there I'm and don't sorry. listen, then I'm sorry. We I didn't think it. when we started this podcast, I didn't think I'd be bringing up the Civil War. <laughs> Here we are. Good. All right. Now it's time for the bonus listener questions for those of you that stuck around through all that. Um, we've got three questions. We're gonna we're gonna kind of go through here a little rapid fire. Um, we will start with uh, MD Knight, 2016. Would you trade two years of five and seven UCF football seasons for two years of back-to-back Sweet 16 or better UCF men's basketball seasons? The it means, but the, I mean, they can't win the national championship. I guess that's the caveat. Um, like it's they, their journey ends in the Sweet 16. It's two Sweet 16 or games. or better. Like they could go to, they could go to the Final Four or Elite Eight, but they don't win the national championship. It says obviously this okay. excludes MBB from winning a title in either year, as that would clearly be a trade. And then I texted you. My response was, I wouldn't even trade it for a title. Like, I two, I cannot mentally handle two straight losing seasons of UCF football, especially with where the program is right now. Ask me again in the 2030s. Maybe things have been going good for a while and I'm willing to, like, sit with some not good football. No. I, I There's nothing men's basketball could accomplish that would make me make that trade. I'd say no to the question, but with the caveat, if, they, if you told me that men's basketball is going to win the national championship, I'd probably make the trade. I'd regret it during football season, but... They won the national title. Maybe I'd do that. That's, no, nope. But that's just what I mean. UCF think about is think about to everything we know with UCF football right now, and think about if they went five and seven next year, and what that would be like for you. And then think if they then well, did it again in twenty twenty five. The the reason that I I entertained this for a second was I was like it was really frustrating, but they just went six and seven this year. So it's like it's not that different. I, I'd do it again if I can store title. this and then activate it whenever I want. Maybe it would happen down the road. But I'm not doing it now. Okay. Um, let's get to the question from Zach, UCF Zach at I think it's Zebels UCF. Uh, it says Christian has his uniforms, little uniforms. But if Such Bailey a has condescending way to say it, Christian has his little uniforms. <laughs> he didn't say little to be fair. He just said he has his uniforms. It's in the tone. But if if Bailey had to pick one football adjacent thing to be very passionate about, what would it be? This is possible selections, concession stand selections. What, what are you trying to say? um field maintenance <laughs> dj song choice media breaks and halftime coordination other um i didn't put a lot of thought into this i my first initial thing was i like i do kind of like field designs like i've yeah talked about for years how i wanted them to have black end zones and then it was like no one they can, actually can't do that and they did it um 
stuff like that. I don't know. I like like cool end zones, you know, midfield things, little logos on the 25 yard lines. That stuff's cool. But I, I could, I don't think I could ever get into like a near level with uniforms. I don't think I could do that with, I don't know if I could do that with anything football related. Like I love or football, just anything like, period in the world. I like uniforms too. Like I don't, I'm not on your level of loving uniforms, but I do like, I, I think you've probably influenced me on that because like, because I text you I've, I've, stop. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I kind of have to think about them more because you just text me any thought you have about uniforms, but I will. And I, I don't, don't even like, really re- it, like we're at the point where I don't even fully expect replies on all of them and I don't even get them. I'll just kind of like, just, like I have to tell someone. just so it's out there. Like I'll occasionally just send you a photo. Like I'll be, cause I'll be going through like UCF photos and I'm like, I like, this yeah. Send it to you. <laughs> what did I tell you the other day? You were like, you sent me a random picture from like, I think it was the Kansas state game. You're like, this is a great combo. I was like, are you just at your point, the point in your day where you're just scrolling through your album of UCF uniforms? I think that's exactly what you were doing. So that was, why i saw it i have an album on my phone with 386 photos of ucf's uniforms from the last two seasons and like whenever i'm bored or i need a break from work i just scroll through it but i think about this with uniforms too i know i'm ruining rapid fire but you know like when you're watching a football game and a play happens or whatever and it's between plays and they do the shot where they zoom in on a player yeah i'm always what are other people looking at during that are they not like taking in the uniform like what's that for their phone in between plays everyone's looking at their phones i don't know Oh, that's a good point. Because th- that's like what I live for during broadcasts is when they zoom in and I get to look at the uniform. Yeah. Um, anyway. The last, last question comes from Randy, who we met in Cincinnati. So shout out to Randy. Uh, I don't know. This is like on a similar level as the Disney IP question we answered last time. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? Where would Nitro fall on the chart? And there's a sandwich alignment chart here. Um, so please individually align yourselves utilizing the attached chart and show your work to receive full credit. Extra credit will be awarded to whoever answers with more passion. I, I don't have any passion about this. I have to look at the alignment chart again to even remember what I was even going to say. Do you have a, this feels yeah. like something you'd be opinionated about. Yeah. I, so I'm looking at his chart because it, it's literally, there's nine different options of where you stand on what you think is a sandwich. And I think first off, one of the options is radical sandwich anarchy. And that's if you think a pop tart is a sandwich, which if you think that I have to have a conversation with you. Um, I think I'm a structural neutral ingredient purist. I believe that something like a BLT is a sandwich. I believe that something like a sub is a sandwich. There is stuff on here that is not a sandwich. A hot dog's not a sandwich. A burrito is not a sandwich. An ice cream taco Wait, is sure as hell not said, a sandwich. That's the that's the original question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, no, a hot dog is not a sandwich, right? Okay. Wait. No, I don't. I don't think I never really thought of it as a sandwich. Here's the thing, because when I know people, this has been like a long running thing, oh, and I've I never really weighed in on it, and I'm not like I'm like I don't know. I don't care. Like, when people not. say that it is, they say it's meat in between bread, and that's what a sandwich is. And you're entirely right, but also if you went anywhere in this country or in the <laughs> world, and we're holding a hot dog, or someone's holding a hot dog, and you walked up to them and said, "Hey, can I have a bite of your sandwich?" They would look <laughs> at you like you're a lunatic. I'm that's sorry. A really good point. I, it meets no, all the criteria, but it's not. That's a really good point. Um, st- what'd you say? Structural neutral? Yeah. Wait. No. 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 Wait. I'm a. I lost the list. Sorry. Um. I, no, that's correct. Yeah, I'm a structural neutral. Because a sub is a sandwich. Are you an ingredient purist, or are you a ingredient rebel? Uh, are, you, are you an ingredient pur- purist or ingredient rebel or a true neutral? Oh, this is insane. I don't I'm think about this, around. which is... Okay, one of these is a chip buddy. What is a chip buddy? Uh, shoot, I don't know. Never seen that in my life. What is that? I don't know. Okay, That's really quickly, I'm going to look it up. Purist, really quickly, I'm going to um, A chip buddy different. or a chip barm is... A, it, it's, a, just, it's just bread with french fries in between? Yeah, it's two buns of bread with french fries in between. You know what? 
I'd call that a sandwich. Oh, shoot. I don't know. I think I'm... This is this to this. There's flaws in this chart. <laughs> there are because I wanted to say I was a structural purist ingredient rebel because this ice cream between waffles. I think that's like an ice cream sandwich. Like I think that counts as a sandwich. That's not a sandwich. And then it's not a sandwich. Why is it not a sandwich? It's an ice cream sandwich. We apologize to the listeners. We're not having it's a ice cream sandwich. Up a little bit. We're yeah. just making things fun. Um, <laughs> Because the podcast is going longer because we're talking about ice cream sandwiches. The we internet is trying to make us stop. Like the internet's yeah. like, we've had enough of this. I don't know. So I just look, it's not a sandwich. <laughs> it is though. It's an ice cream sandwich. But then the next one is like a sub. Okay. Like a sub is a sandwich. Bailey, that photo what? is not a goddamn ice cream sandwich. That is ice cream between two pieces of waffles. That is not an ice cream sandwich. It's a take on an ice cream sandwich. It's not an, okay. A take on a sandwich isn't a sandwich. You can call a hot dog a take on a sandwich. It's not a sandwich. I don't know if you could. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> so i was going to be somewhere in between structural purist and ingredient like ingredient rebel with and then also because the next thing is structural neutral ingredient purist is a sub a sandwich like yeah i think a sub is a sandwich is it not yeah a sub is absolutely know. a sandwich yeah so then maybe i'm that i don't know but i'm not an ingredient purist who cares I, i'll tell you right now that if you think a burrito is a sandwich you need help no it's not no that's crazy yeah insane but anyway that was fun <laughs> i i don't know we answered the original question where would nitro fall on the list i have I don't, I don't understand what that, that means. Like, as a mascot, I'm confused. I don't know. I think it was just to get UCF in there. I don't know. Nitro's a rebel. He's probably... <laughs> he's chaos. Um, yeah. All right, let's get out of here before internet right. freezes again and the entire... We get banned from the internet for that conversation. Um, this was fun. <laughs> we'll be back Very next fun. week with episode 188. Keep sending in your five-star reviews and your five-star review questions. Uh, we'll get to some more next week. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, at Night Sports Now, and at Pegasus Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.